Finish sales event is going on now at Bettenhausen Ram on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Power on into the new year with the strength of a new 2022 Bettenhausen Ram truck. Your best Ram buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCTJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. How are you doing this morning, Brian? Well, I'm just uh, glad there's not a third team in Florida, Pat. Um, (laughs) I think two's enough right now, given the state of the Hawks and the state of the two teams down there doing uh, pretty damn good hockey uh, whenever you get to see them. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think we saw the two best teams in the National Hockey League over the last uh, two games for the Blackhawks. It reminded me of, of the Hawks from 2010 to 15, right? The high-end talent, yep. mm-hmm. the depth scoring, great defense, special teams. Watch excellent. the speed. Here we go. You want to yeah. see this puck move around? Here oh, we go. Goodness. It, it, uh, it was a reality check for... Derek King and the Blackhawks as they got shut out in Florida on Thursday night and lost last night to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, uh, you know, they come back to uh, to make it a 2-2 game in the first period to end up losing 4-2. Just didn't – they gave up 40 scoring chances, a season high. Not 40 shots. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no, no. 40 More. scoring chances. To their credit, they had eight of their own. Uh, not good enough. Yeah, 56 shots, but 56, 40 of those scoring chances. And, and the night before, even though, you know, they get nothing to show for it on the, the scoreboard, I mean, they actually generate a lot of offense. Uh, it, it's when Derek King comes out and says a couple times this week, he didn't say we're bad. He just, we try. We try. Now, the problem is, as much as I want to give him credit for trying, and I, I covered the try-hard Bulls, so I always say, you know, the Kirk Heinrich, Lou Dang, Ben Gordon Bulls. But there was more talent on that team as a core, so they would give really good teams fits a lot of nights, if not actually go ahead and upset them, right? There's not that much core talent in terms of young developing guys on this Hawks team, unfortunately. But they don't try for 60 minutes. They don't try for an entire week or even a stretch of three games anymore. They try for 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. Two periods of a game, and and you know he just said basically basically said these other teams are too good and and we're not nearly close enough to being in that in that zip code and he's correct on all accounts, but there's also some things when I'm watching this game the too many men on the ice oh, penalty. Oh man, how many I mean, times are we going to see well, that? Twelve, and it's tied for the NHL most. I mean the the little things you'd have to do to be a winning team are some of those are correctable. Right. And it's not just about whether Kyle Davidson's going to be able to parlay assets and trades and, and draft picks into, you know, high quality talent. I mean, that first and foremost, that's the biggest thing. But we got 13 games left in the season. They're still making some of the same mistakes that, you know, Jeremy Colleton got ran out of town for. So 
I, I, you know, there's still a lot for Kyle Davidson to take a look at here in these final 13 games with player development. Do you have a goalie on the roster you're comfortable with mm. moving forward? Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, and some Hawks fans might say, well, it doesn't matter whether it's Delia or Lincoln because they're not going to be between the pipes when you are good enough to compete. But that said, you have to make a choice, right? I mean, moving forward uh, into this rebuild, no matter how long it's going to take, do you have these pieces that you can build a, upon and around? And, and the more I see of Kevin Lincoln and his teammates aren't helping him out all that much, Pat, but, you know, I don't know, these final 13 games, do you give Delia the lion's share of those games because you have more hope or you need to I, see more? I still more? think you give Lincoln in uh, more starts than Delia, but uh, I, I'm now open to Colin, uh, you know, getting closer to 50% of them. Hmm, okay. Um, yeah, I really, you know, I... I I don't think anybody's going to win when you're giving up 40 scoring chances. No. So no. you could have Flurry in there. The game might have been three to two instead of four to two. Uh, or you know, I mean, that's that's the thing. Mark Andre Flurry, and we said it all along, right? Life without Mark Andre Flurry is not going to be pretty, folks. And it's not. It's not. He was uh, he was the ultimate deodorant for this team. And again, this team was not a playoff team with Mark Andre Flurry, but they'd be. DFL if if Mark Andre Fleury wasn't in the crease for a bulk of the season. It, it, you know, the Kevin Lankin experience, Colin Delia, Soder Bloom. Uh, I, I don't know if they have one in the pipeline right now. We'll see what Drew Comesso ends up uh, doing as he continues to progress. But you talked about the reality check in Florida. Here's Derek King's honest, and I mean honest, assessment of uh, where his team is at after those two losses to the Panthers and the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning. You know, that's that's a good hockey team. I mean, that's a that team can turn it on offensively and then they can shut it down with the best of them. And that's uh eventually that's the kind of team we want to be. Uh obviously we're not there. They got uh four solid lines, their decor solid. And uh, they got good goaltending. So um, we competed. We do. We, we, we try. We just can't compete with that type of team. Uh, we're just we're not there. We don't have the players for it. But I will give our guys credit. Back to back roads. We you know we stayed with it. We competed. We tried. Uh, not from a lack of effort. We don't have the talent. Doesn't get more plain and simple than that, does it? Brian. No, no. And when Derek King says, you know, that's the team you aspire to be, those teams, uh, certainly Tampa and or Florida, you know, we talked about a little bit last week and you talked about it even before Brandon Hagel got moved. If you move Brandon Hagel and they did to Tampa, he's not a top six guy for a championship quality team. He's a guy who's getting 10, 10 minutes less of ice time and not on the top power play and has a couple points since he's been moved. But, they'll, you know, it's all about depth for a team like that and, and filling in some you know some small holes that they see to, to try to get that Stanley Cup championship. So that tells you as much as we celebrated what Brandon Hankel was here for the Blackhawks on a championship quality team, that's that's who he is. He's a third line guy for for the Lightning, right? Yeah, no question. It, but but it was what they decided to do to bolster their third line that uh you know, you saw on display that third line is Brandon Hagel, Nick Paul, and Ross Colton. 
Nick Paul had a, a, an amazing pass last mm. night between <laughs> the, the legs. Yeah, between, yeah. Uh, you know, but and backhand. The touch on it too. Oh, yeah. And, and then, then uh, you saw uh, Braden Point with an incredible pass on the. Uh, the first goal of the game for Tampa Bay. I mean, it was a it was a backhanded passing clinic by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And here's what I'll point out. You know, Braden Point was a third round selection. I think he was taken 19th in the third round. Ross Colton was taken in the fourth round. So not only do they have the high end and Kucherov and Stamkos and Victor Hedman, and the best goalie on the planet, Andre Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. But they have filled out the bottom of their forwards and the bottom of their roster with great draft picks that they've been able to uh, bring along. And they found them in rounds not the first and not the second. They found them third and fourth round picks. So, you know, the Hawks have five selections in the first three rounds in each of the next two seasons. So, you know, they'll have 10 picks in the top three rounds the next two years. This is where Kyle Davidson, in revamping his scouting department and revamping how they go about evaluating prospects, is going to be critical for this rebuild. Absolutely crucial for them to get back to where they want to be. They have got to start hitting on these draft picks and these assets that they've acquired. And that's why they went and did the Brandon Hagel deal, guys. I mean, I I know fans were like, that's the type of guy you build around. It is in a perfect world. In a world where you don't have talent up and down your system, not only in the NHL level, but at the AHL level, you have limited talent. You need to find a way to turn one into hopefully two or three pieces. And so that's what the Brandon Hagel deal was all about. And honestly, some of the pieces that they've already picked up, Taylor Radish, mm, like I, that. I, I, you know, like if, if he ends up being just a, a skosh below Brandon Hagel's production and you find out of one of those two other first round picks you hit or uh you know you you somehow look at uh Kachuk and and he's a stabilizing force on the fourth line for a particular period of time then you know i i could see you winning that that trade eventually uh so like i like i like the pieces that have been the Sam Lafferty deal on uh the Alex Nylander trade. Nylander, he's still in the minors for the, the, the Penguins. And Sam Lafferty was playing in scranton Wilkesbury for the Penguins before the Hawks acquired him. He's got speed. He can hit. He can go to the front of the net. All the things that we've been asking for from this team, year in and year out, you're at least seeing them identify some of those players and go after them, and they're adding them to the mix. I can only hope this is just the start and that these types of players are the ones that come here to Chicago to resurrect this franchise. Yeah, I mean, look, Radish has been really good immediately, and he's getting more opportunity, just like Brandon Hagel's getting less opportunity because of where Tampa's at in their hockey world. 
you know, Radish is taking advantage of the five or six minutes more he's seen on the ice than he did in Tampa. And you said Lafferty. I mean, he's he's the type of guy you like to, you know, not only the talent and, and the skill he brings and the speed, but the identity, you know, kind of a little sandpaper to him a little bit. And I don't know what they're doing with Alex uh, Vlasic. I mean, you know, pick a lane, will you? Because it was odd, right? Five yeah. scratches in a row, and then he plays last night. I, I um, you know, if if that's the case, if he's just along for the for the road trip to get a little sun, uh, okay, fine. Maybe yeah, that. we all like a trip to to Florida when the you know spring is still got snow on the ground here. That's not so bad. I mean, no, that's not bad at all, Brian. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad at all. By the way, uh, coming up this week, I've, I've got a bucket list item that I'm going to check off. And uh, it has nothing to do with hockey. I will tell you that coming up next. I also have a four-pack of Chicago Wolves tickets to give away a little bit later on. We'll tell you how you can uh, can secure those ducats coming up. It's the Hockey Show. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle, Charlie Romeliotis joins us at the bottom of the hour. What do you want to see the final month? of this regular season from your Chicago Blackhawks, 312-332-3776. It's a hockey show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. Charlie Romeliotis joins us at the bottom of the hour. Thanks to our, our great sponsor, Bettenhausen CDJR in Tinley Park. Our phone number is 312-332-3776. And uh, let's hit the phone lines. Uh, let's check in with Brian in Buffalo Grove. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, guys. A quick question for you, or a quick comment, I should say is I think that uh, Kyle Davidson made the biggest mistake of his general managing career so far is when he did trade Marc-Andre Fleury to the Minnesota Wild and let Cap- Capo Kakinen go to the San Jose Sharks. If I was him, I would have at least grabbed him. He's a 25-year-old goalie. He was drafted in the 2014 draft. And I think that uh, if you grabbed him, he's good enough to be what we have so far now let me give you a little background i have been a i was a rockford ice hog season ticket holder i used to live in rockford okay and before that i was in the military i was in the navy station in norfolk virginia when the ice hogs were the norfolk admirals i had season tickets down there so i saw when Corey crawford um craig anderson when they all were together so you know, these guys have not had goaltenders in the system since that time. And then you give Colin Daly a three-year, $3 million contract, and the guy has not played to his potential. I don't think he has too much more potential that you can give him. He's just not a goaltender that's an NHL-caliber goaltender. Kevin Lankinen, I don't know what's going on with him, but the Blackhawks have got to get somebody in this system that's going to play goaltender for the next 10 or 15 years, whether that's getting him in the draft, whether that was getting Capo Kankinen from the Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild turned around and traded him straight to San Jose as soon as they got Marc-Andre Fleury. Why couldn't he have just asked 
for that goaltender. Well, to how do you know Chicago. he didn't ask? I mean, I you know I was not in the the conversations that that they had, but uh, I, I do know that they were trying to get a goalie in return. They realized that the the pipeline is is not uh, plentiful at the goalie position right now. So, I, I mean, we don't know whether Kyle asked for. Uh, Capo and, and tried to get him in return. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think I still like the deal. I mean, potentially a first round pick for a rental uh, if the Minnesota Wild get to the Western Conference Finals and Marc Andre Fleury gets four wins along the way. Uh, but we thank you for the call, Brian. Your, your thoughts on just that, that deal in particular. Uh, did you have any problems with, uh, with the Fleury deal to the Wild? No, first of all, I have to wait for another leak to come out to find out exactly what uh, what uh, Garen and Kyle Davidson talked about. Um, but uh, I I think the deal is fine, and you're not you weren't going to get it. Apparently, you know, they they played poker, and and Garen said, you know, I'm not giving you a flat out first pick. Here's a conditional pick. You know, Flurry's a big part of us getting to a Stanley Cup final. Then you know, you get your first round pick. It, it it's um, it kind of leads to a discussion that you guys uh, had, uh, you and Charlie had on one of your podcasts this week, and they were terrific at NBC uh, SportsChicago dot com about you know next year how good do you want to be right you know right. Kyle Davidson said I'm not going to put a number of years on the rebuild because I just don't know right and I'm not going to get people's hopes up I'm not going to say it's five or three or whatever. And our Twitter poll is, what do you think it's going to be? One or two years, three or four, or not in my lifetime? Um, but how good, you know, when you start thinking about Dylan Strom, you know, as much as he's been revived and, and he looks terrific and he, he's got something going with Patrick Kane here, if you're closer to the bottom than the top, do you, if you bring back Strom or you go out and get a, a goaltender in the, um, in the offseason who is legitimate, maybe not a Vesna type, quality goaltender but a guy that's better than what you have here are you afraid that you're going to get in that nhl no man's land right in that middle just good enough to be outside the playoffs and not good enough to to be sitting on top of the draft for a couple of years and, and replenishing um so i mean if strom it, 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 you like the idea that he's kept it together here at least mentally and now he's it's paying off for he and the team with his production on the ice but I don't think Kyle Davidson's going to come on and say I'm going to tank next season, but you know what is the proper amount of aggressiveness does the front office have to have when their reality is they're years away from competing for something, right? You don't want to be just good enough not to be great and not, you know, you don't want to be terrible because people have season tickets and, and television ratings and everything else. It's tough to find that balance, strike that balance, because we had like uh, one of our Twitter respondents, Thruby uh, Thruby, said he's okay with watching young players and their growing pains, but he's not. He's tired of watching some of this dead end talent that you know doesn't do anything for you now or moving forward. So I think a lot of fans, Pat, would like. The idea that, okay, I know it's going to be a few years, but I'll, I'll, I'll watch this. You know, I think this guy's pretty good. I want to see him grow with whatever hiccups comes along with that. But you, you know, Kyle Davidson has to put some sort of product out there that's competitive, but he has to be realistic about how close he is to being a Tampa or a Florida, which is, you know, real, realistically 
not very close at all. Well, yeah, and you also have to watch the the whole tanking situation because you could say, look, uh, l- let's go to war with the same two goalies that we have right now, and let's uh, let's let's move the, the high end talent that we have remaining, and let's try to tank for some of the generational players that are going to be available in next year's draft. Well, what if, what if you do that? And then you, what happens to you happened to the Detroit Red Wings a couple of years ago where they had the worst record in the National Hockey League and they ended up picking like fourth because of the draft lottery. Then you've basically screwed your, your fan base. You've deprived them of watching. Uh, let's just use 88 as an example. Yeah. Let's, let's say, uh, you know, the decision this summer is, okay, Patrick, do you want to be a part of this rebuild? We can do a uh, X number of year extension. This is the number we're thinking. What do you think about that? Do you want to be a part of it? If, if he says, yes, I want to be a part of it, then, uh, you know, I, I have to say, well, Lynn, let's, let's get this thing done. I, I feel like he has given enough to this franchise in this city that he deserves to decide whether he wants to finish his career here or not. And I do believe he brings a tremendous value to this team, whether it's putting X number of people in the seats on a given night, whether it's just a reason to turn on uh, the game at night. I mean, like, I'll be honest, watching the Jonathan Taves highlight reels from the the 1000 games played this this past week in Florida and and seeing the Johnny of old, I, I was like, God, there are so many great moments. I mean, it's it's like one game winner after another, and what an incredible career we've been privileged to watch. And then you watch him now, and you're like, okay, well, God, it's, that was a while ago. And it's like, you know, what 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 do we what do you do next? Like, 19 is a different story to me than than what Patrick Kane is. I I I do feel that John is earned the opportunity to decide whether or not he would like to finish up his career here. I'd like to know how long he thinks that's going to be. And I'm not into, you know, sympathy extensions either. It, it, this, this is not going to be paying him for his, his past work. This is going to be based on the production we're seeing now. And I don't even know if we know what Jonathan Taves, who's going to be 34, I believe next month or uh, the month after. And you know, I don't think he's even at 100% after his two years away with the chronic immune response syndrome, Brian. Yeah, and a month out with a concussion. And Charlie had a terrific sit-down with him. I can't wait to, you know, to get Charlie's takeaways uh, in, in bigger picture because you, you really got to – I got to know more about Jonathan Taves through that podcast than I, I thought I knew or I, I actually did know about Jonathan Taves. But when you start – Looking at the you know the bigger picture from above, and I'm with you. You can't have, you know, feel good contracts, and just because Jonathan Taves you know has been a, a, the captain of three cup teams, you know, you have to look at it with a critical eye. And and he told Charlie some things that kind of made me feel like he may be ready to move on even more than he alluded to a week or so ago. Um, but when you look at this, you know, look at the the entirety of this thing. There are so many questions about not only player questions. I mean, is Derek King, you could bring Derek King back and, and Mark Crawford and, and do the same thing next year because he's a, he's a good guy. The team likes him. He, he's, you know, he's good in the media, he's good with the media. Um, 
do you just say, okay, bring them back because we're nowhere near to being a winning team? Or is it just as important to identify a guy behind the bench, and it might be Derek King and Kyle Davidson's eyes, that can continue to develop as well along with the players? Uh, or, you know, I'd hate to be, you know, cynical and just say it doesn't matter. So keep who you have, and it doesn't cost you all that much in terms of coaching salary. And like I said, there's a lot to like about Derek King. Or is it just as important or more important to identify the next coach and get him behind the bench next year so that he can grow with the team that you hope to to be competing in three years? You know, these are questions Cal Davidson has to figure out in very short order. By the way, the caller who uh, said that uh, Davidson screwed up because he didn't get Kakanen back in the uh, flurry deal with the Wild, uh, Capo is a restricted free agent at the end of the year, so they would have had to... Uh, extend him, him or yeah. qualify him uh, if they they did acquire him. I told you I've got a a bucket list item I'm going to check off this week. So after the Hawks play Arizona tomorrow night, I'm on a flight first thing Monday morning, heading to Augusta for the first time to check out the Masters uh, next week. Have you been to the Masters, Brian? I have not. Um, my dad was a huge golfer, and thankfully he got to go down for a couple of practice rounds. I don't believe he actually saw a, a you know a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday round. Right. But that was enough for he and and my youngest brother Kevin, you know, just to to fulfill that you know, like you said bucket list dream, right? To to be there and get to see an Amen Corner in person and just walk the course and and the cabins and everything. So, God bless. I'm so happy for you. Um, I imagine you were watching the Tiger news this past week when the people were tracking the private plane from Orlando yeah. to, to Augusta, and all of a sudden, oh, Tiger's got a practice round in. And we knew his name was on the list, but I don't know that anyone really thought he was going to show up and play. So, yeah, it's uh, we, we will see if, if Tiger does indeed come back this week uh, and play at the Masters. Uh, he's he's on the list as of now, but he hasn't fully committed, but we'll see. Hey, tomorrow, the golf show, Tyler Aki, Barry Cronin from 7 to 9. Boys, I'm available if you need me. If you, if you need me to uh, uh, give you a, a scene setter from Augusta, I'll, uh, I'll be glad to do that. Uh, by the way, have some uh, tickets to give away. We've got one four-pack of Chicago Wolves tickets for tonight's game against the Milwaukee Admirals. Hockey night in Chicago, 7 o'clock. We've got the four-pack to give away. Caller 10 right now at 312-332-3776. You are going to the Chicago Wolves game. If you're a caller, 10 at 312-332-3776. Coming up next, it's Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. He's up next on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. It's our pleasure to uh, welcome in my partner on NBCSportsChicago.com, Charlie Romeliotis. How are you doing this morning, Charlie? 
Oh, not too bad. But ask me in a couple hours when there when there's snow on the ground, I might have a different answer for you. PB. Unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> um, let's let's talk about your conversation that you had with Jonathan Taves, the captain celebrating his 1,000th career game Thursday night in Florida. By the way, if you're going to the Hawks game tomorrow night. He's going to be honored before that game as well, so get there early. They've got uh, even like a pre-game party going on in the atrium to uh, to celebrate nineteen's one thousandth game. Uh, it's also Star Wars night, so uh, may the force be with you. Um, your conversation with Taves. Did you get any impression of how long Johnny thinks he is going to be able to play in the NHL, or how long he'd like to play? Yeah, it really seems like he's trying to push off father time um, as long as possible. And he basically said, like, I'll know when it is time uh, to kind of hang it up. And for him, it's, it's really different because obviously he's been tied to Patrick Kane throughout his entire career. And Patrick Kane plays such a different style of hockey that it, it's easy to see Patrick playing until he's 40 years old. Jonathan, it's different, right? Like he, he plays such a demanding physical brand of hockey and given what he's been through the last year where he missed all of last season with the illness and then, you know, he missed a month this season in concussion protocol and he's had concussion issues in the past too. And, and I also want to say he, he had dealt with a, with a back injury um, previously as well. So like it, his body is kind of, um, I don't want to say breaking down, but it, he plays a more demanding style that it's hard. It's going to be hard for him to, to keep playing at a high level um, for a really long time. So uh, I'm not sure. It really sounds like he is, um, you know, when we talked about uh, about a month ago, I want to say, like Jonathan said, like he, he still feels like he hasn't played the best hockey of his career. And that tells me he wants to continue playing and try to get to that level. Um, and a lot of these great players, too, like I, Patrice Bergeron in Boston, too, I think like he's openly said, like, I'm going to retire when I don't feel like I'm at the top of my game anymore. Not necessarily like Yermer Yager, where you have to like drag him off the ice. So I'm curious to see like where Taze's head is at. Um, if his play starts to decline, is that when he's going to start hanging it up? Um, well, we'll see. Charlie, first of all, a terrific uh, sit down with with Jonathan Taves because you really elicited a lot of interesting answers from him. And and when he talked about how crazy it was to be a captain at 20 and how he went from Mister Serious to Captain Serious because Brett Seabrook and he was living with Seabrook at the time and they got in some sort of argument over something, so Seabrook started calling Mr. Serious, and then he was elevated captain. Um, it was interesting when he talked about being at this point in his career and how the last two years have have impacted him and his approach to the game on and off the ice. And, and I think he said uh, he's ready to surrender the process. And to me, I maybe I'm reading too much into it, it almost sounded like he's ready to not be the captain who's shepherding a young group through a rebuild and you know, maybe he's willing, uh, more willing now to to move to a contending team and not have to be a captain, not wear the C, and maybe settle in on the third line. Am I reading too much into that? Yeah, I, I kind of took that as he's kind of surrendering the process as far as the direction of the organization. Like that, Kyle Davidson is going to have. Obviously, he he's announced that the Blackhawks are going into a rebuild, and so as a player for Jonathan Taves, all you can really do is control what you can control. And I know that sounds cliche, but for Jonathan specifically, like missing all of last season with the illness. And then he he probably felt like he was getting close to what he was, 
you know, he, he was trending in the right direction before he, he missed the month with that concussion protocol. So for him, he's like, man, I just want to get back to the level of, of elite hockey that I know I'm capable of playing. And then I can kind of dictate uh, or kind of revisit where exactly my head is at. And, and one of the things too, that Jonathan said on the, on the West coast trip, when he kind of made, um, you know, a little bit of a viral moment by saying like, he's thought about what it would be like to play for a different team. is just like the, the journey, um, the journey of just getting here as, as a Blackhawks or, and, and one of the most telling quotes too, is just like, are, are you, do you still like the responsibility of being captain? And I think that does, that's difficult on him because I think a lot of the successes he's come like as, as the captain, but you also get criticism when you're not performing. And I think his performance is also attached to his contract. So it's difficult, it's difficult to kind of separate the two when you're evaluating the player and his value to the team. Charlie Romeliotis joins us on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. So Big decisions need to be made this upcoming offseason. Taves and Kane are entering the final year of their contracts. Ten and a half million owed to each. uh, Their AAV cap hit over uh, the final year of their deal. Kane's future. um, You know, Charlie, I'm looking forward to talking to him. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, and it, you know, it's it's still unfortunate that we're in this situation where it's a it's a uh, a press conference style, and you're not able to ask some some really personal questions or at least feel him out on certain things that you don't necessarily want to ask in front of uh, the masses. Um, but th- there's a lot of people talking about tanking next year, and that how. You know, players like DeBrinket and Kane hurt the tank. There's no guarantee that if you go put an AHL team out there and uh, you play an 82-game NHL season and you end up with the worst record in the National Hockey League, it's not guaranteed that you're going to have the number one pick overall and land Connor Bedard. You're going to have the best odds, but it has in years past, not always worked out for that team. That's why we have the lottery. How do you think Davidson approaches his roster knowing where this franchise is at as far as the lack of talent, knowing that there is a generational player and a deep draft on the other end of the horizon, and the the, the thought of having players that can help you win on a given night? How do you think he's going to to handle that that whole thought right there, that process of whether or not to tank, to tank or not to tank. <laughs> yeah, well, it, when you when you when we talk about tanking, it, like it comes from a management level, right? It doesn't come from like the players or the coaches saying, "Hey, let's go out there right. and you know not win tonight," right? So, when, when as far as like tanking, like yeah, like maybe you're going to put up, put out a roster that isn't going to be conducive to necessarily winning on a nightly basis. But, but I also believe that you can do it in a way that you can also lay the groundwork for some of the pieces that you're going to find moving forward. Like, for example, I heard you guys talking about Sam Lafferty and Taylor Radish. Like those are two players that you're like, okay, these guys can probably play like Taylor, Taylor Radish specifically could probably play a top six role next year. And then Sam Lafferty might be able to be like in a middle six role, right? Mm-hmm. But when in the future, when the Blackhawks are ready to contend again, those guys are going to slide down in the lineup and you can feel good about, okay, we know Tyler Radish can maybe play a second line role, 
but on a good team, he's probably going to be more of a third liner and he can move up in the lineup. So I think you're trying to find those types of pieces in rebuilding seasons. Now, having said that, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that the Blackhawks really prioritize trying to accumulate 2023 draft picks because it is a very deep draft class. And like you said, like I don't think the Blackhawks are going to be – like they're going to be towards the bottom of the standings next year, and I don't think they're going to mind it because those are the types of players, Connor Medard, Adam Fantilli. There's also a Russian prospect who's projected to go number two overall. He's just got a contract in the KHL through 2025, so that kind of complicates things. But those are the franchise-changing type players as opposed to – I know Chicago has endeared themselves to, to Brandon Hagel, but Brandon Hagel on a very good hockey team like we're seeing in Tampa is a third-line player. Like Connor Bedard's, the Adam Fantilli's, those are the types of players that can really change the fortune of your franchise. You know, it, there's a lot to like about Derek King, and I was just saying to, to Pat that you like his honesty. You know, he, he can tell you that Florida and Tampa really good and Blackhawks not so really good at this point. Well, you like his humor, you like his self-effacing personality, and the, the players do p- want to play for him, at least for the most part. Have you seen enough of the, the try-hard to believe that that's enough reason to bring him back? Do you think Kyle Davidson has seen enough of Derek King to know that, at least for the next couple seasons, he's, uh, he's he'd be comfortable with him behind the bench? Or is it just as important to say, okay, he's not going to be a guy behind the bench when we get back to winning and competing for a cup, and therefore it's maybe as important to move on and identify that coach so that he can grow with whatever core you have moving forward? Yeah, I I think my answer would be different if the Blackhawks were getting ready to take the next step next season. But it sounds like they're most certainly going to take multiple steps backwards next season. So in that case, I I feel like Derek King is probably – the primary or the front runner to, to be the head coach of the Blackhawks moving forward during this rebuild, because you need a guy like that with the personality to keep things loose inside the locker room. And I really liked his, the tone that he set after the Buffalo loss, when they blew that four, nothing lead, especially given, you know, two night, two days prior, they had blown the three, nothing lead in Vegas. Like there was no, like I remember earlier in the year, like the, the Blackhawks kind of got routed and he was like, well, he sat down for his press conference. He's like, well, but we didn't take it too many men on the ice pilot. Like yeah. it was kind of like funny. Right. But after that Buffalo game, like he was, he was really disappointed and really frustrated. And I think that's the exact kind of tone that the Blackhawks want to kind of set going into this rebuild. Like, yeah, there are going to be some difficult times and Derek is going to keep things light and keep the personality up there. But there's also going to be accountability and not kind of letting those leads slip away. And and the other part of that equation, too, is just the development of the younger players. Like, yeah, it's nice to have a head coach that, that can keep things light in the locker room and, and can really help these the young guys psychologically go through a difficult season. But you also want them to take next steps in their development. So I think it's also just rounding out that staff as well, prioritizing the development on the ice. After that Buffalo loss and those comments, I was wondering how he was, if he was going to back it up with action, you know, I, I'm maybe not a bag skate. Maybe that's outside his personality, but I wondered how hard he was going to be on the team the next practice or film session or whatever to really drive that point home and not just kind of, you know, vent after the game. But, you know, how do you get that message sent to a team that isn't good enough to, to do what it did in Buffalo? Yeah, I think it's a balance because you, you don't necessarily want to 
bag skate the team. Like it's not like they're in a playoff race right now right. where they just laid a stinker and and it was an inexcusable kind of loss. I think it's more of just you, you got to remind. And I actually think maybe the tone in which he came across like in his media session, like maybe that even resonated with the guys like, Oh, there, there was no joking manner. Not that there should have been, but you know, and, and you, you, this late in the season too, like bodies are like guys are worn out. And, and I think everyone's just kind of trying to crawl to the finish line. And I think maybe that's why the tone was set too. like, let's finish the season here strong. Um, so we can at least go into the, the off season with some positive momentum, maybe not as a team, but at least, you know, individually too, like people can feel good about themselves. Charlie, I want you to bring some clarity to the Kyle Dubas uh, comments that he made directed towards Kyle Davidson here, the Hawks. So on on deadline day, Kyle Dubas, the second youngest general manager in the National Hockey League, uh, took to the podium and and he was upset that the Marc Andre Fleury trade proposal to Toronto and what Toronto was being asked for, that that was leaked to Darren Drager. And he took a direct shot at Davidson and the Blackhawks on that NHL deadline day. And then he doubled down in an interview with Kevin Weeks. In the last week, Kyle Davidson addressed the GMs at the GM meeting, kicked off the whole thing down in South Florida. Tell everybody what he said and and kind of your take on, on what really happened. This wasn't an admission of guilt by Davidson when he addressed the group. I wouldn't say it makes me no. question as much oh, as like. Sorry about that. You know, for the longest time. <laughs> All right, uh, Johnny trying uh. to hijack the show, but uh, <laughs> bring some clarity, please, to the the Davidson Dubas situation. Yeah, of course. So. First off, I want to say that I really like Kyle Dubas as a general manager. Like, I think he's a very bright hockey mind and, and is a really good leader uh, in hockey. So I was really disappointed to kind of see him come out publicly. And I thought it was really unfair, too, especially given the fact that Kyle Davidson, like, was just named the permanent general manager. And now his, you know, it just got off to, on the wrong foot, like, with other general managers kind of airing that in the public. And, and, we've talked to Kyle on and off the record and Kyle is a, he's, he's such a pro and like such a, a people person. So I'm, I'm sure this didn't, you know, sit well um, with him, but I thought Kyle, first of all, he took a professional approach by not shooting back at Kyle Dubas in the press conference. He basically just said, I'm, I'm going to address this privately. And then just a, a, a mature move by him at the, the GM meetings in Florida um, earlier this week, but basically before the general manager meeting started, like, kind of like have your gavel and like, all right, meeting is starting and Kyle Davidson presses his button to talk and says, Hey, I just want to address something before the meeting starts and, and, you know, discuss that, that he takes the, those things seriously. And I, again, like you, like you said, Pat, I don't think that he was admitting guilt in any way, because I still don't think there's proof that it came from Chicago's end, given that the report came from a Toronto based reporter. I think he was more so saying like, I'm, I take this very seriously. Um, and, I believe it probably um, – I think a lot of general managers looked at that as a, as a respectful kind of move. And, and I had heard that Kyle and – well, both Kyles had, had kind of cleared the air about that, um, on that on that West Coast trip. So all is good. But it was it was a mature move by, by Kyle Davidson to, to kind of do that because rookie GMs don't typically – they're not typically the, the ones to speak in those GM meetings. Yeah, and uh, there is belief out there that, that the leak probably came from an agent. So – uh, thanks for uh, for putting that to, to rest for us. Keep up the great work, Charlie, and uh, we'll see you at the United Center tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Coming back with the Hockey Show after this on ESPN 1000. 
You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. Thanks to Charlie Romeliotis, our producer Jake Cantu. Uh, thank you for calling. Let's squeeze in one call here. Scott in Oak Park joins us now. How you doing, Scott? Very good. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your show. Quick thing on the Lincoln, and he makes some good saves, but uh, he's way too far out of the net most of the time. So uh, especially the teams that make cross-site passes, there's open nets. Uh, if you take a look, you'll see that that's the case most of the time. His second thing is is that he's not good with rebounds, and that combination is kind of deadly. Because you know, <laughs> yeah. so. totally agree with you there, Scott, on the rebound control, and thank you for the phone call. But uh, yeah, that's something I, I think it's an open competition between Delia and Lankin in these final thirteen games to decide. Who is going to get that contract extension? Both are going to be UFAs at the end of this season, Brian. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how it plays out and who gets the, the majority of the starts because 13 games, you can't split it evenly, so we'll see. Hey, by the way, uh, just as a note to the uh, the programmers in Bristol at ESPN and to the folks down in Atlanta at TNT, when it comes to uh, scheduling the National Hockey League on nationally televised games. Enough of the Seattles. Enough of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, If you're trying to sell the product, put the good teams on the air. Have the ability to flex some of these games out. I cannot believe the money that both ESPN and TNT have given to the National Hockey League and some of the games they've chosen, Brian. It's baffling to me. Just spitballing here, but I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Seattle. Seattle. I mean, like, did they think they that, that it was going to be uh, Vegas two point I mean, they're the anomaly. They're they're the expansion yeah. team that uh, caught you know lightning in a bottle and and rode it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. That's not usually going to happen. And it after that went down, the NHL and, and several uh, GMs around the league want to make sure that it doesn't happen again in Seattle. You know, and, and here's a little tip to, I know it's difficult to be social media director anywhere, but whoever was running the Chicago Blackhawks official Twitter feed during the Vegas game, uh-huh. don't open the door to, to what you got by taunting, basically like, look at us, we're, we're schooling uh, the, well, the Golden Knights here. That's what, and, that's what social media is all about, Brian. And, just well, in. and guess what? Twitterverse was there to respond as all the right. lead was slipping away. Hey, you have a great week. Peggy and Dion are next. That's going to do it for the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We'll catch you next Saturday. I believe we got an early puck drop for that one. I think it's a 9 a.m. Are you ready for that one, Brian? I'll be getting my sleep. I'll uh, be up early. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Hawks back in action tomorrow against the Arizona Coyotes. So long, everyone.